Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. But man, what a year 2020 has been, right? This year started off the year of 2020 vision, right? You heard so many sermons and sermon series, 2020 vision. I just want to go back and slap all these people. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Like if you had such 2020 vision, why did you not see 2020 coming? (laughs) And I mean, it's just like, really, it was supposed to be the year of clarity and it has been the year from the pit of something, right? It has just been absolutely um, insane. And 2020 has brought us, as many of you know, once in a lifetime pandemic, Escalated racial tensions, economic crises, political turmoil, suicides up, substance abuse is up, divorce is up, and even sadly, in February, Kobe Bryant passed. And the crazy thing is 2020 isn't even over yet. We still have, God help us, the 2020 election, presidential election cycle coming up. And, and when this pandemic started, we've tried to help you as much as we possibly can through sermon series like God Struggles. The Bible is series, songs for, for the season. And we want to continue that today by starting a brand new series called Scriptures for the Season. Because honestly, with all of this cultural craziness going on in, 20, in, 20, in 2020, it's possible that you have been tempted to or have already given into hopelessness, self-medicating through eating or binge-watching or binge-scrolling or binge-drinking or binge smoking, unhealthy sexual relationships, spiritual apathy, fear, anger, becoming numb, rage, or have flat out decided to isolate yourself for, for the rest of 2020 just to get away from all of the craziness. And when it feels like you are being shaken to the, to the core, that is typically when you will be tempted the most, is when you feel like you are on E, right? Think about Jesus. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Scripture tells us, two writers of Scripture, Matthew and Luke, tell us that Jesus went into the, the desert for, for, for a time of building, for a time of training, but also while he was there within the desert, he was there and he was tempted. And what scripture tells us is that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And after those 40 days and 40 nights, guess who showed up to tempt him? Satan. He tempted him when he was on E. If the devil did it then, the devil will do it now. If he does it to Jesus, he'll try to do it on you. And the thing is this, right? Many of us probably feel like we are on E. And when we're on E is the time that we can be most tempted to give in to things that we know are not God's best. And Satan came to Jesus and he said, look, I know you're hungry. So why don't you take this bread and turn, or excuse me, take this stone and turn it into bread. And Jesus responded back to him, man does not live on bread, but on what? Every word that comes out of God's mouth. And Satan said, okay, great. Possibly I'll try this. He took him to the top and showed him, I will give you this whole world if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus, he responded back. He said, only worship the Lord God and serve him only. Satan said, okay, well, okay, if that's not going to work, maybe I'll take him 
and uh, and uh, and and I'll say and I'll say this to him: throw yourself off the top of this pinnacle building. And do you know what? And and then the devil even quoted scripture and said, "The angels will come." And catch you. And Jesus responded back, don't put God to the test. I think it's important here to see that what Jesus did when he was on E, what he responded with, and what his response was. He did not quote Oprah. He didn't quote Dr. Phil. He didn't quote Taylor Swift. He didn't quote Drake, right? He didn't quote Maroon 5. He didn't quote the great spiritual teachers of, of his day. He said, he responded back with, it is written. He responded back with scripture to fight the temptations that were being thrown at him while he was on E. And that's why with this series, I believe what you need is probably so many of you feel like you are on E and tempted to give in to things you know that are not God's best for this season. You need scripture for the season. Why? Because you need something eternal. Your, your, your eternal soul needs eternal food. And that's why Isaiah writing, he said this, the the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And that's what I pray to do with this series is to put in your eternal soul, eternal words to fuel you and to give you the weapons and tools to fight off the temptations that you will inevitably feel in this season that we are in and we are currently going within to. And that's why the first, the first scripture for this season, honestly, that we need to put right at the forefront is Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29, and it says this here. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now that, that's so good, and trust me, I know right, prob- probably now you've probably got a bunch of stuff rolling in your brain. You've got worries and doubts and anxieties. So here's what I know. I want to say that verse one more time, okay? It says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now the truth is this, right? In Paul's day, they, they did not have computers or Facebook, Instagram or stuff and stuff and stuff online. So too, I think we could put within this scripture here, do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths or unwholesome words come from your fingers, <laughs> right? It's not, it's not just what we say. It's the words, any format, any form that come out of our lives, right? And here's the thing. I, I think I don't need to explain to us very much why this scripture is needed for this season because you experience in in your life, if you scroll on Facebook, turn on the television to turn on the television or talk to your family and friends, there is so much unfruitful, hateful, careless, ignorant, unwholesome, vulgar, unhelpful speech spewing out of people's mouths and coming from people as they Type And the temptation within this season is to join in with that because it seems like everyone's doing it. And the temptation will be to join in with this kind of talk and spread an atmosphere of death, disunity, anger, angst. But most regrettably, 
the downfall and the temptation within this season is to, is to dishonor the very name of Jesus that most of you claim to follow. The temptation within this season is to dishonor through your words what you say, how you say it, why you say it, the very name of Jesus that you claim to follow. And that is what has just grieved me within this season. It's, it's not those that don't follow Christ. It's those that claim to follow Jesus Christ, seeing what they're saying, how they're saying it, and why they're saying it, and just, and just honestly watching it and being like, how can we share and show God's love with this kind of stuff, this kind of language, this kind of vitriol coming out of our mouths. <laughs> and, and really, let me give you a little example of where this has shown and, and where this plays itself out practically whenever we see within our culture the battle, the war going on between, between words and between followers of Jesus Christ. Ready? Masks, right? Some of you right now, you're even seeing this and you're like, that's duh, stupid. Like, it's just government control trying to take away the rights of the people. How dare they tell us to wear a mask in, in public? And then, all right, so you've got side people like, and do and, you know what? You legitimately love Jesus. You are a Christ father. You love Jesus. And that is that is what you think. But then you got some, some people like, you better wear, wear your mask and love your neighbor. You better wear your mask and love your neighbor. And you legitimately love Jesus. But this is honestly a, this, this mask is simply a microcosm to so many issues within our culture of where we see people that follow Christ, people that, that, that are followers of Jesus Christ and where I see us getting entangled in the ways of the world in this season where we have got to really say, are we with our words and what we say, sharing and showing to the world who God is and what God is like? And even too within Christian community, loving each other well and loving each other the right way. The truth is, is this, guys, as Christians, we're not going to agree on everything. Even as Christians— there are going to be secondary issues, non-essential things that we as Christians, like masks, and that can include politics and political candidates, that can, that can include economic systems, that, that can include so, so many smaller things that aren't essential doctrinal issues of Christianity that the, we will take them, though, and put them and describe to them divinity. We'll say, you know what, and the crazy thing is, both sides use scripture to validate their point, right? Some people that would say, you don't need masks. It's just it's government control. Don't you see masks? They are the very, next, the, the very next step to seeing 666 on all of our foreheads. We put this mask on, it's mask, then 666. And you're like, you should read the Bible and just see the end times show us, and the end times, the end times, the end times, and you quote scripture, right? But then you've got those that are like, love your, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, wear a mask. Do you, do, do you see this? People on both sides are, are, are taking a biblical, a, a, a biblical viewpoint on their opinion and what they think. And both sides love Jesus. But what we've been discipled by our culture to do 
let's just be honest, is to demonize different. Is to demonize different and take what side we think is right and basically ascribe divinity to it when, like I said, the truth is this, there are just some things in Christianity that we are going to, to agree on. And what we've got to say as Christians is this. Look, I'm not telling you what, what you should believe. I'm not telling you if masks are wrong, right. You've got to come to a conclusion on your, on your own with that, with your conscience, with the information you take, okay? But then I'm more concerned about with, with two things, how you're saying what you believe and why you're saying what you believe. How and why I believe are even as, as important as what, right? The, uh, a, tr- a church father said this when, when, not shockingly, there was division within the church. He said this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. In essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, love. And that's what I believe as followers of Christ. In this moment, we're missing is we can disagree and still love. We can disagree and still honor. We can disagree, but also to examine not just what we believe and what we're saying, but how we're saying it and why we're saying it. And that's why I believe Ephesians 4.29 is so important for this cultural moment and for this cultural season, because the truth is this, y'all. Words are powerful. And what I want to do right now is just share with you a few other scriptures that share with you the power of, of what comes out of your mouth words, right? Starting in Proverbs. Proverbs 18.21 says, says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Proverbs 12.18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. The writer James, he, he writes this in James chapter Three, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are so driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Gee, James, tell us how you really feel here. But, but... Verse number seven continues on. It says, all kinds of birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. One more time, James 1.19, he says this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Right? This is what Jesus himself said, Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37, when talking about words and the power of them. Jesus said this, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of, of snakes and, 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 you know, and the context here is he's speaking to the Pharisees, the, 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 religious, the, the religious leaders of his day. He says, you brood of snakes, how 
could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Let me say that one more time. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And and check what Jesus says in verse number 36 there. He says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Idle could also mean careless. For every careless word you speak, then he says that the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Some of you know the power of words. Why? Because you are living with the scar and wound of what someone told you years ago. You, you, and I mean, you know words have the power to heal and words have the power to wound because some of you right now are living in, in that healing or with those wounds of words that the, the people said to you, whether it was parents or coaches or spouses. Like those words hurt and those words matter. We've got to know there's, there's power. Here's the thing, right? Ephesians 4.29, we're gonna break this down and we're gonna ask questions because honestly, as a Pastor, I feel the best thing that I could do for you isn't just to tell you what to do, but it is to help you how to think, help you think how to actually think, right? And the best way to do that is to ask you questions, right? Here's the thing, Ephesians 4.29, let's read it one more time. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who Listen, Ephesians 4.29, right? He says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. A question, are your words wholesome? And that, and that word there, unwholesome, could also mean rotten. This is kind of what that word, in, and really, uh, in, you know, in different portions of writings within this time, this word was, was, was used to talk about rotten fruit. It had a stench. It, it just smells and stinks and creates a stinky atmosphere. Do your words by what you say create a stinky atmosphere? Where, check it, right? People know when they get around you, there, there's going to be what? N- negativity. There's going to be selfishness. There's going to be Debbie Downer. It's going to be mean. Right? What kind of atmosphere do you create with your words? Is it rotten? Does it stink? Does it, does it smell? And some of you right now, you're experiencing this at your job. You're experiencing this in your, in, in your relationship with your spouse. Right? Like you, you know what a stinky, a stinky atmosphere feels like because you are currently in it. And that's what what Paul here is challenging us with. Is this that like, yo, is your speech wholesome? Is it, does it bring life or does it bring death? Right? Secondly, though, he says this, but only what is helpful. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Are your words helpful? Because here's the thing, right? You can be right, but not be helpful. You can actually say the right thing and actually not be helpful. Why? Because of why you say it and how you say it, right? And what I've seen is typically people have a proclivity towards, towards one of two ways of speaking, right? The scripture says, says this, Jesus himself, who was God, came full of grace and truth. Not grace or truth, he came full of grace and truth. And what I've seen is people have a particular bend most of the time towards one of those two ways of, of 
talking or communicating what they're saying. You, 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 know, you, you know, some people, you are a whole lot more prone towards grace. You, you don't like to, to rock the boat. You don't like to say hard truth. You don't like to be abrasive. You know, you're, you're very tender-hearted, and you just, you just don't want to be that person coming across as strong or dominant. You're just very, you know, you, you'd rather not tell people truth because you think it might hurt them, right? You got that, but then you got the truth-oriented people that are, the, are like, they don't care how they say it. They just know the truth is the truth, and I'm going to tell the truth, and, and, and you know, I'm the truth serum. I'm going to tell the truth. It's what I do. It don't matter. If people can't accept it, they can get out, and you got those types of people. Right? The, they are more prone towards just telling the truth. But what I think we've got to, to see and recognize about ourselves first is which one of those are we more, are we more prone to? Because whenever you identify which one of those you're, you're more prone to, then you can say, what, which, which area do I need to then grow in? Right? Some, if you're more prone towards grace, you've got to grow in truth. Because honestly, if, if you're so grace-oriented, sometimes you can be so grace-oriented, you, you lose the power of the truth because you don't want to hurt womb people. And sometimes, you know what, the, the truth does hurt. But at the same time, we can also tell the truth in a graceful way, right? But the thing is, if you are a truth-oriented person, you've got to learn some grace. Because honestly, truth-oriented people, they, they might say the right thing, but nobody is listening to them because of how they say it. Because of, you can tell, it's selfish motives. It's not to build, it's to tear down. It's not being considerate, right? And that's why you've got to identify which, which, where, where you're at on that spectrum and say, okay, if I'm more grace-oriented, grace help me to grow in truth, God. If you're more truth-oriented, you need to pray, God, help me grow in grace. Grace, you probably should say, God, give, give me the strength in what to say. If you're more truth-oriented, you should pray, God, help me think about why I say it and how I say it. Do you see this? Because what Paul ultimately says here is you need to be helpful, but you can be right and not helpful. You know, Paul also said this. He said this, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge is great, but if, it, but if it's not clothed in love, it can puff you up and you can tell the truth, but people won't hear it because of how you say it. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 whenever he was talking about love. He said you could die as a follower of Jesus Christ. You could have faith that can move mountains. You could have prophetic gifts. You can be orator, and I mean A+, plus. but at the same time, if you don't do those things with love, it doesn't matter. And here's the thing, you can have the truth, but if you don't say it with love, I think Paul would probably tell, tell you or probably ask you, does it really matter? Grace or truth? Are your words helpful? Nextly, though, Paul says this. He says, for building others up according to their needs. The question is this, are you a builder or, or, or are you a destroyer with your words? Because honestly, you're going to be one or the other. You're going to be somebody brick by brick. You are a builder in someone's life or, or, or you are going to be a destroyer in someone's life. And what he says is this, your words should actually build others up. And then here's the thing, meet their needs. 
how many of us have been taught, when I speak, I should actually think about, is this going to meet a need? And to actually meet a need, you first need to be what? Attentive to someone's need. Most of the time, we're so concerned about telling what we think and why we think it instead of saying, let's, let's actually assess the situation here and see what does this situation need, not what I think it needs. What does this situation actually call for? Does it call for words of peace? Does it call for, for more grace? Does it call for truth? As a follower of Christ, it, it, it is our job to assess the situation and see what does this situation, what kind of speech is needed with what's going on, who is here, the situation and the circumstances going on. Are you a builder or are you a destroyer? Nextly though, Paul closes out, he says this. He says that it should benefit those who listen. And that word benefit there is actually the Greek word charis, which actually translate grace. It's, it says your speech, your words should actually impart more of the grace of who God is. In other words, saying this is how your speech should be defined. Is that when people hear you speak, hear you talk, hear you communicate on, on Facebook, in person, with, with your words, is there an aura and sense the grace of God is all over this? And if it's not, then that should be a siren of saying, does this really need to be communicated this way? This is what Paul says, right? Are your words wholesome? Are your words helpful? Are your words building up and meeting other people's needs? And are your words benefiting those who listen, right? And, you know, Peter, who if anyone had a problem with his mouth, it was Peter, right? He was always... The open mouth, insert foot guy, the first guy to always speak up and say dumb stuff. He was the dude cussing out little servant girls whenever Jesus was the, you know, Jesus, you know she was like, what? I mean, if Peter had a problem with his mouth, it was Peter. And what we actually see here in 1 first, in first Peter 3, Peter, he, he's writing two, two, two Christians scattered uh, two, two Christians scattered all, all over the current world at that time. And, and, and what Peter communicates is this in 1 Peter 3, 15. He says this, that, that um, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. He says, look, people are going to, because of your life, see that, that you live differently and you're gonna actually tell them and share with them the hope you have in Christ. But then he says this, as you share this most important news, when you do it, do it with gentleness. And that word could, could also be translated humility. And then respect, that word could also mean reverence with humility and respect. That when you share about Jesus and what he's done in you, share it with humility and respect. And what I gleaned from this here, right, is if the way Peter says to, com to communicate the most important thing that we will ever communicate, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, how much more should we then communicate less important things, like our opinions, like what we think, with the same qualities of humility 
and respect. Why? Because the thing is this, as you are talking to somebody else, you are speaking with someone else that has been created in the very image of God that you have. And that's why James said, look, out of the same mouth, you praise God and curse people. He said, my brothers, this should not be. Y'all, here's the the thing. In this season, you're going to be tempted to join the circus of the insanity known as our culture. But let me challenge you with, with this. What is at stake is your testimony. What is at stake is your character and calling as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not just what your opinion is. You can have that. I'm not saying don't think. I'm not saying don't do research. I'm not saying don't believe what you believe. But what I am begging and pleading for is that you would not just think about what you're saying, but how you're saying it and why you're saying it. And let Ephesians 4.29 be the litmus test for you saying, is this helpful? Is this building? Is this actually meeting somebody else's needs? Is this beneficial? And saying, let that guide your speech. Don't sell out your character and calling as a follower of Jesus Christ just to be be right about something that is not an essential tenet of our faith. Don't sell it out. In this season, there's going to be lots of talking and yelling and screaming and Facebook wars and Facebook battles over a lot of stuff. Don't get in the mud. You have a calling as a follower of Jesus Christ to be his representation, to be grace and truth. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.